You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey Dave, how are you doing today? Not bad, Nick. How are you? Doing well. Podcast Friday. Podcast Friday and quarterly update time. That's right. Second quarter ended and uh, the end of June. And so we've kind of looked through all the data and using, I say we, <laughs> I mean, uh, our friend Mario over at East Bay. <laughs> and we kind of read what he had and, and are going to just kind of have a conversation around what happened and what to look forward to, right? Right. Yeah. The normal um, kind of check in on on what happened last quarter and kind of where things stand with the economy and not that we're going to predict where things are going, but we can certainly talk about what some of the possibilities are, right? Absolutely. So we always like to kind of start this segment with the positive signals and reasons for concern, right, Dave? So what's positive as of the last quarter where we look at right now? You know, over the last 12 months, we've seen inflation come down, which it needed to. And we're actually seeing the uh, CPI come down as far as 3% as of June. So that's a positive. Basically, what the Fed has done to crank up interest rates and slow down the economy has appears to be working in that we're seeing inflation come back down. Yeah, no, not uh, insignificant is the 3%. Obviously, the Fed's target where they would like it to be at is 2%, mm-hmm. but continues to trend in the right direction. Had a pretty right. big drop this last month, so that's all good news. Right. And, you know, if you look globally at inflation, we seem to be, we being the United States, seems to be weathering the storm much better than some other places across the pond. So that bodes well for kind of how we've been able to attack this and the job that the Fed has done, along with the fact that, you know, there was a lot of people that thought that the Fed's actions were going to push us into a quote unquote recession. And we've kind of almost gotten to that soft landing point. We're not quite there yet. Obviously, there's a lot that can change, but it's looking pretty good. That's actually the, the second positive thing right now. The flip side of the coin is we've managed to slow the economy without crashing the economy so far. Mm -hmm. And the economic data continues to suggest that the U.S. economy is not currently in a recession. And if you think back to when we were doing this in January, an insane number of economists in their, like what's going to happen in 2023 pieces that that get pushed out in December and January every year said, you know, by now we'd be in a a recession. It was just a question of how severe it was going to be. Right. And that's one of those, you know, and that's not, not that they're bad at prognosticating, but first off, nobody's good at it. Right. But also like that's kind of the playbook (laughs) before, right? Yeah. The playbook is slow the economy down, inflation, runaway inflation is more important to take care of than maybe being in a recession. And so that was kind of the playbook. So they were, you know, kind of looking at past history of things like this. And that was kind of the expectation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so far it has not come to pass. Now we're going to get to reasons for concern here in a minute. We'll, we'll revisit some of that. But uh, the other thing that, that kind of goes hand in hand with that though, on the positive signals is the, the labor market remains strong, even while inflation has declined. And that boosts that optimism and that maybe we're going to 
we're that the Fed's going to pull off a soft landing. Yeah, you know the labor market is interesting because every time you see a labor market statistic lately that's positive, the market kind of reacts negatively because it's kind of one of those. It gives the Fed more room to continue raising interest rates. Yes, yeah. The fear, the fear is if if unemployment is too low, then the economy is going to stay hot. We're going to see more inflation and wages, and the Fed's going to have to keep increasing interest rates. Right. Right. And and interestingly enough, I saw something the other day, I can't remember where it was, probably the Wall Street Journal, where the increase in wages was actually higher than inflation for the first time in a long time. So it seems to be that, you know, and we have inflation still coming down, but yet we're seeing wage increases still. And it hasn't contributed to more inflation as of yet. Obviously, that all can change, but that's kind of what we're seeing as a positive well, that I think a lot of people didn't really think could happen that way. I'm certainly no macroeconomist, but when I read those headlines, the first thing that came to my mind is that that will hopefully make you know the average American consumer feel better about where we are. Right, and, we, and we've talked mm-hmm. before that the economy really is dependent on our state of mind in a way. We can create a recession just by being afraid of a recession. But if if you're actually seeing more real dollars in your wallet at the end of the day, in terms of the price price of things that you need going up slower than than your latest wage increase, that's even if it's even if it's on a subliminal level, that's going to make people feel better. And kind of in my mind, at least, that was like, that was, that was a good sign that maybe we will get out of this cycle without a severe recession, that people will continue to spend and do okay just because they feel better about how they're situated. If you think about it, you know, if you're still employed and you're getting raises, mm-hmm. and decent raises compared to inflation, you're probably feeling pretty good about yourself. You're probably feeling okay to go out and spend. Well, And if your neighbors are in a similar spot, then that bodes pretty well for yeah. the economy as a whole. Well, and, and we should, we should, we should maybe say that a different way instead of feeling well, it's, it's a, it's a relative thing, right? And consumer sentiment has been lousy for the last nine, well, 10, 12 months since since inflation started to become an issue, the average the consumer sentiment numbers just have been been lousy, and that was part of right. the fear is that everybody was going to f- be like, oh gosh, I need to put my credit card away and stop spending money because things are going to get bad, and that would make things bad. Right, the, the, that would start the cycle. So even if mm-hmm. even if people don't feel good, if they feel a little bit better, that's good. That's good enough right. for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. I mean, again, I, you know, I know, I know nothing more than what I read. I don't pretend any expertise <laughs> on the macro economy, but that, that to me seemed like a good thing. For sure. So this last point on our bullet list is an interesting one. It seems like this was a long, long time ago, but it, it really wasn't, was it? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how these things seem silly in the rear view mirror, right? Oh, for sure. You know, but, but last quarter going into the quarter, big concern that the government was going to get into a standoff and not increase the debt ceiling and that the U.S. would default on its treasury obligations. And, you know, it was, to me, it was similar, that kind of thing. I, I always, I always hearken back to 
Y2K at the beginning of my career and how like, like if those things unfolded the way some people thought they might, like there was no end to the speculation of how bad things would get, mm-hmm. you know, and, and here we are. Oh yeah. It was just another, you know, just, <laughs> just another day in the life of American politics, right? Where the Democrats <laughs> right. and Republicans both made demands and then backed down because neither one of them wants to be responsible for destroying our way of life. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. What do, you, what do you like to call that, Dave? Government by crisis? Government by crisis. That's, that's <laughs> democracy in a nutshell. And you can go back to 17, the 1790s to see it. It's, it's nothing we invented. It just seems new. In a way, they kicked the can down the road as usual, but we also, we know we kind of, we're definitely can put it on the back burner for 18 months or so. Right. Because they, they, they suspended it until 2025, where usually they set a dollar, like like we're just raising the debt ceiling from X trillion to X trillion plus, you know, a couple more trillion. <laughs> and, and we never know when we're going to get there, right? Because it depends on how much tax right. revenues come in and how much the government decides to spend in the meantime. And it could be six months, it could be a year, it could be three years, but before we never know. Instead, they just said, no, nope, mm-hmm. for the next, till January 1st of 2025, there is no debt ceiling. So maybe what that's done, maybe, is bought them some time to figure out something sustainable going forward. And there, I, I don't want to, I, I, we just heard this this morning that there may be some negotiations going on in Congress to just get rid of the concept of the debt ceiling. It'll be interesting. It seems like every time we get into this, there's talk about, well, we should just get rid of it. But then, you know, here we'll, we'll be in 2025 having the same conversation. Probably, most likely. Most likely, I'm not. I'm not going <laughs> to. We can be optimistic, right? But <laughs> right. At least they're at least they're publicly talking about how silly it is because it doesn't do. It was intended to stop the very thing that it's created. So right. anyway, moving on. <laughs> so <laughs> with that little side note, what are we concerned about uh, coming out of this quarter, Dave? Well, you know, we're pretty proud of how inflation has come down here in the U.S., but. Europe has, uh, Europe particularly, but the rest of the world has really been struggling with high inflation. And mm-hmm. at some point, their central bankers are going to have to be making the same tough choices that our Fed has made, most likely. You know, since this was written, so, you know, we're, we're a couple of weeks past the end of the quarter. England's numbers were a little bit better than expected here. Earlier, was that earlier this week? I think it was earlier this week. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, but there's still, their headline inflation is still 7% thereabouts. You know, it's still more of an issue. And uh, just anecdotally, um, we've got some Finnish friends and they were talking about the price of food in Finland right now. Like they, they're just like on a week to week basis, afraid to go to the grocery store to see what's changed. So yeah, in a way, the, the global economy is so intertwined, yet you still have all these little isolated economies making decisions on their own. You know, the, the, the European, the EU, the Eurozone would be akin to if Ohio and Michigan and Indiana all got to set their own interest rates on a, like, like on a central banker bank level, yet the US dollar was separate from that. We know Ohio would screw it up, right? So, (laughs) so, you know, it's kind of, you know, that's what, that's what, you know, you've got Germany and France and England, well, not England anymore, Great Britain anymore, but Greece and Italy, you know, and, and they're all 
trying to make independent decisions, but using one currency. So yeah, it will be interesting to see how global inflation plays out. Um, obviously, there's a reason we have it listed on the reasons for concern section. Interesting to me enough, I mean, it's a no-win situation, right? I don't mm-hmm. think anybody's running out and trying to uh, take selfies with Jerome Powell, <laughs> even though he's done a pretty marvelous job of sticking so, to his guns, yeah, right? Um, it's like a, a thankless job oh, at this point. Oh, gosh, yeah. And it's one of those jobs where sooner, like like no, no Fed chairman ever goes down in history as like a great entity mm-hmm. because at some point they screw something up and that's what they'll be remembered for. But so far, right. so far right. he's talked the talk and which, you know, I say that tongue in, it's not talk the talk and walk the walk, but the talk that they give has so much to do with it. How he's managed oh, yeah. to, he's managed to craft the message in a way that helped what they were mm-hmm. trying to do policy-wise. And that's tough. That's tough. So, so far, so far, I'm not ready to, uh, yeah, you know, and they're still talking about some potential interest rate increases mm-hmm. and, you know, it's not over yet, but um, so far, so good as far so, as uh, getting things in the right direction. And, and again, uh, I'm no macroeconomist, but I want I want them to talk tough. I don't want them to be accommodating to the market. I want the markets to adapt to the conditions while the Fed says, I don't want them saying we're done when they don't know what the data is going to say. I think to your point too, Dave, you know, we talk about inflation, but we've never, at least I know I personally have never experienced runaway inflation in terms of what that can do to an economy and what Mm -hmm. it can do to people. Um, Because it's been such a long time since we've really Uh, seen anything like that. I was eight years old the last time inflation was an issue and uh, didn't know what a mortgage was, let alone how it worked. So and it does way more harm than slowing down the economy, but it's right. a really hard thing to conceptualize because we've never really lived through it. Right, right. Like the last time you said you were eight years old, so right. I'm sure you had bigger concerns than what I think I, the inflation I I numbers were. What was going on at the grocery store? Right, right. We've still got concerns about will this actually remain positive in terms of, of the overall economy, and are you know are we on the edge of a recession? And so, you know, one of the big ones that everybody has looked to, because it's been a pretty reliable indicator of a coming recession, is an inverted yield curve. Yep. And we and we have one. So, yes. and, and that's where short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates on treasury. Usually, usually we use the treasury as the, the best measure of that. Mm-hmm. So what that means is the expectation is that, the Fed is going to have to lower rates because the economy has slowed down too much and goes into recession. So if you're thinking about it in an investment standpoint, you would want to hold shorter term bonds before that happens. Uh, you know, you, or you, it, it gets a little mushy, but essentially it's, it's, a, it's a prediction that things are going to deteriorate and you want to be more flexible. So, so that's still hanging over our head that, that while everything else seems okay so far, unemployment numbers, layoffs, that, that kind of stuff all seems to say we're not in a, in a recession. We still have that inverted yield curve that has been a predictor of 
recessions in the past fairly reliably. Now, a yield curve gets fixed one of two ways, right? Either short-term, you know, long-term rates go up or Mm -hmm. long-term rates go down. And, or I'm sorry, short-term rates go down. Short-term, yep. So, so, you know, there's still the, the case that you can, you can correct the yield curve back to a normal yield curve, either because the market realized, the bond market realizes that the, you know, the recession is not going to happen or not likely to right. happen or because it does happen, you know, either, either short-term rates come down or long-term rates go up, one or the other. Yep. So we will see. It'll probably be a little. Yeah, just another reminder that, you know, we're not out of the water yet. And obviously things can change and can change quickly. So, um, you know, just because we have a lot of positive momentum of the quote unquote soft landing doesn't mean that something's not going to mess that up and we would end up in a recessionary type territory, which is kind of what the yield curve is somewhat predicting at this point. I guess the other thing that makes our list of reasons for concern right now is while the stock market has been very positive this year, it's been driven by a handful of stocks. For the for the year to date ending at the quarter, the S&P 500 was up just shy of 17%, 16.89% from January 1st to June 30th. And mm-hmm. that's that's a great gain. But the average stock in the S&P 500 was was treading water for the most part, while right. a handful of behemoth stocks were driving all of that gain. And if you had invested just in those stocks, you'd be up 40 or 50% if you were lucky enough to pick the right ones. Right. So, so what does that mean? Uh, while if you're invested in an S&P 500 index fund, you've had a great year so far. That's great. But when a rally is narrow like that, when it's only a few companies doing really well and the rest are just kind of mushing along, it means the rally is kind of fragile, right? Mm-hmm. It means that maybe by and large, investors have bought into the idea that these few companies are going to do well and they're driving those prices up, but the average isn't so that you know, maybe the thoughts on the overall economy is in terms of the market aren't as strong as that 16.89% return on the S&P 500 would indicate. Right. So kind of like the yield curve though, there's two ways that this gets corrected, right? Either, either the, either those bets on those few big stocks were misplaced and they come back down along with mm-hmm. the, you know, along with Everything else. Everything else. And the 16.89% positive goes away. Or and what, what we would hope to see happen is for the rally to broaden, which means mm-hmm. that more investors are looking at the economy and saying, well, rather than just bet on Apple and Google and, uh, you know, these NVIDIA, uh, the chip maker, uh, you mm-hmm. know, has been has been driving this rally. Well, if 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 the economies, if we if the market starts to feel the whole economy is doing better, you're going to see more names get added to that list, and right. the market continue to rise, but it be based on a broader swath of the market. So that's kind of what mm-hmm. we're we're hoping to see here. Yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens. You know, a lot of that, uh, like we said, is by those big companies, and a lot of that has been the uh, 
what are they calling it? The AI boost of right. you know, all of a sudden AI became real popular and all the companies that had a significant role in that, people, you know, felt like we're going to do very well and therefore bought and drove that price up a little mm-hmm. bit. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out in the short term. Yeah. And the, the whole AI thing is fascinating and, and maybe a podcast topic for a separate day, but mm-hmm. you know, everybody, the average American, I think worries about it in terms of what it will mean for the economy. But history would show that that kind of innovation is a net positive. So, right, you know, we can we can uh, we can look at that. Maybe yeah, we'll have to <laughs> have to go down that rabbit hole on another podcast <laughs> right, for right, sure. Right. But it is interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's kind of where things sit: the positive and the and the reasons for concern for this quarter. One of the highlights, you know, thinking about where we are right now is looking back 12 months at where we were and the difference right. that that's that's come to pass over the last 12 months. So June 30th, 2022, the index, the S&P 500 was down 19.96% from January 1st, 2022 to June 30th, 2022. Right. The last six months this year, positive 16.89, almost reversed. Yeah. Not quite, but almost. Mm-hmm. So, so that's like a night and day shift. The bond index, the first six months of 2022 was down 10.35%. I mean, that, that astounded me at the time. That was like, yeah. like I, I just, I had never, I couldn't wrap my head around the bond index being down 10% for six months. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. last six months, a more bond-like gain of 2%, but positive nonetheless. Okay. Right. And and we've talked before too about how now those bonds are paying you higher interest too. Yeah. So two percent mm-hmm. on price gains, but also a higher higher income return. CPI twelve months ago was nine point one percent. June thirtieth <laughs> CPI four percent, and now we're right. seeing you know three percent on on, mm-hmm. on that we've gotten since then. GDP growth for the trailing quarter was minus six tenths of a percent. So, you know, it had started to contract. And um, for the last six months, I'm sorry, the trailing quarter, positive 2.2%. That's a pretty robust growth for, yeah. for the economy in a quarter when everybody feels like everything stinks. The federal funds upper limit on the Fed funds rate was one and three quarter percent. On June 30th, it is now five and a quarter percent. So that's a heck of a steep increase in interest rates over the last 12 months. Yeah. And what was going on at that point, the Fed's latest rate decision on June 30th was to raise it three quarters of a percent, which that's a big move in history terms in terms of yeah. Fed moves three quarters of a percent in Absolutely. one meeting is big. This last mm-hmm. one, they paused and said in June, "Hey, maybe we uh, we need to wait and see where we're at now that we've made all these big moves." So, yep. so in, you just look at the contrast between where we are now and where we were twelve months ago. And to me, I just I remember client conversations in June of last year where it was a lot of, is it, 
you know, do we need to get out of the markets? Is this going to keep getting mm-hmm. worse? Well, you know, again, just as it's darkest, <laughs> you know, that if you had, if you had gotten out of the market in June of last year, you'd have missed um, a recovery that would have brought you back real close to even. So. Yeah, it's funny that you should mention that because another one of the interesting pieces in this, and we'll post this in the show notes, is um, letting the market headlines drive your decisions. And actually, in June of last year is when we were announced in a recession. Or Excuse me, this was 2020, not last year. So this was June of 2020, which would have been two years ago. So if you look at the S&P 500 return and, and when it comes into the news cycle and how that plays into your decisions. Yeah. It's an interesting chart. Yeah, this this is a good one. And we we definitely should talk about this for a minute. So this this chart is looking at 2020. So the last time we had a, a recession was 2020 during the, the COVID crisis. Before the recession was announced, the, the market went from, the S&P was pushing close to 7,000 and dropped to about mm-hmm. 4,500 in like a matter of um, about four weeks. Huge, steep drop. As the economy yeah. shut down, everybody panicked. The market from there in mid-March started to recover. And, you know, still no word on whether we were in a recession or not. Everybody just kind of assumed we were. But the market started to bounce back. And the, the S&P was back to 6,500 in June when we had the data to be able to say, yep, that was a re- where at that point it was, we're in a recession. We're not sure we're out of it or not. Um, right. It turned out we were already out of the recession, but the market mm-hmm. had already made up all that ground while everybody was running around. Now, well, we weren't running around. We were all sheltering in place more or less, right? Um, try, but mentally running around, like how bad is this going to get? You know, where's the economy going to go? And if you had reacted to those headlines and gotten out of the market in say March, you were already dead in the water as far as making up, making up ground. And by the time the data came in to say, Hey, the recession was over. turns out it was short lived. The market was um, about, you know, 500 points or so a thousand points higher than it had been when, mm-hmm. when the whole thing started. So yeah, um, you can't use the headlines. If you use the headlines, you're already behind. You, you've missed it. Yep. You've missed the market. Move. Mm-hmm. This was a great example. We've always used a, kind of the same philosophy talk around um, early 2009. And, you know, in the middle of the financial crisis that um, market bottomed out in March of 2009 and the data was still horrible going into 2010, halfway through 2010 before things started to look better. Right. So, yeah. It's just amazing. I mean, if you think about like what you would have had to do to time <laughs> this, right? I mean, yeah. essentially... I remember going to meetings in, you know, probably February where we were making jokes about not shaking hands and yeah. doing knucks and, yeah. you know, hitting people's elbows because yeah. there was this, you know, global pandemic yeah. that was coming, yeah. you know, like the the bird flu of before. Yeah. And everybody was joking about it. At that point right. is when you yeah. wanted to be getting out, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you, you'd have to be like the, the chicken little screaming about right. the sky falling right. down at that point. Right. Right, And then when things got to their absolute worst in March, when everybody was sitting at home, you would have had to say, hey, you know what? 
it's time to push yep. them all back in right? well, in order to get that right. You know, the, the old, the old cliche, be uh, fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. What, what that, that serves you well. <laughs> serves you, Indeed much, it serves does. you much better than, <laughs> much better than paying attention to the headlines. Well, you know, all that said, it's a, you know, we don't know where things are headed. We never do, but mm-hmm. we've kind of mapped out, you know, what we're worried about, what we're looking at, but also, you know, what are the bright spots? So, um, ask again in three months, right? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. All right, Dave. Well, this has been great. Appreciate it. Uh, if our listeners have any questions or any topics you'd like to hear on the podcast, we'd love to hear them. Shoot us an email at info at srbadvisors.com. As always, it's been a pleasure, Dave. Yep. Thanks, Nick. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.